Father, we do come to you now as we have another opportunity to just consider some of these significant principles of spiritual growth. And Lord, again in this chapter, there will be an emphasis on how important it is to you that we grow. You are more concerned with developing Christ in us than the service we're rendering. Certainly you want us to serve you, but you want it to be an outflow of a life that radiates forth Christ. Lord, from the moment we're saved onward, your spirit is working to conform us to his precious image. Lord, may we come to understand a little bit more clearly what you're doing. May we appreciate what you're doing. Even though at times what you're doing is painful. But Lord, may we appreciate the fact of the high goal you have. And Lord, we thank you that one day when we're in your presence, we indeed will reflect him. Now Lord, we just commit this time to you. We want your Holy Spirit to just guide our time together. We want him to work in each of our hearts uh, to increase our understanding of these precious truths. For us in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're in chapter 17, chapter on cultivation. He starts out, he says, there can be a little question concerning the importance of balance so vital in the mechanical, physical, and aesthetic and spiritual realms. Faulty balance can often result in disintegration and possibly devastation to the surrounding area. Every time I read that opening statement, I think back to the time my dad tried to build a bush hog. Time he cranked it up. The blade mechanism was out of balance. The blade came off, took the uh, the tire off the tractor, <laughs> flew across the field. Uh, that was before Mike's time there. Uh, by the time Mike was there, we actually had bought a bush hog. Uh, but, but the the whole thing of you know, there's got to be balance. When that when that blade was out of balance, it was devastating. You know, if somebody had been standing there, it wouldn't have been a tire that got cut off. It would have been somebody's foot, uh, which would have been bad. So, uh, you know, he's just saying balance is important. It's balance is important in the physical realm. Again, I have that hammered home all the time now that I'm having to get around on one foot and I've never had good balance to begin with and trying to do things on this on this one foot uh, you know I'm reminded daily of how important balance is well that's just in the physical realm but he says the same spiritual realm uh, and it's so easy for us to get things out of balance in the spiritual realm. And, and generally, uh, we get out of balance in the spiritual realm when it, uh, we're uh, dealing with things on the basis of the old man, the, the fleshly nature. He said our self-life is out of balance. 
It is. It's always swinging from When the self-life sets out to uh, produce the fruit of the Spirit, which it can't do because it's the fruit of the Spirit, reads through, you know, the passage uh, on being Spirit-filled, you know, is, and uh, it'll try to, you know, it's love, joy, peace. The self-life will always be out of balance. You know, it'll say, well, I need to be more loving. Well, he'll work real hard on being loving. Uh, you know, it, it'll tend to focus on one thing uh, to the uh, exclusion of other things. And only... The Lord produces that balance. But he says our self-life is out of balance. It's all one-sided, like the universal tea party. I had a little tea party one afternoon at three. It was very small, three guests in all, just I, myself, and me. Myself ate up the sandwiches while I drank up the tea. It was I who ate the pie and passed the cake to me. Spiritual poem. <laughs> is pretty accurate about uh, uh, the self-life. But he says, because he, that is God, is the great husbandman. You know, and I should have been putting some of these slides up. Let me get up to where I am. Um, talked about this some along the way uh, and but it's an important thing to understand it's an important thing to understand in our own Christian life but also as we minister to others because a lot of growth starts in direction uh, we talked about this in a much earlier chapter you know when you plant a seed a lot of growth takes place downward initially. You know, it may look like nothing's happening for a while, but if you were to go and dig down uh, to that seed, you would find there's a lot of growth going on, and some of it is you've got roots beginning to go downward. And even when that first uh, blade breaks It'll spring up and it'll sit kind of uh, uh, with very little growth for a little while. But while that's happening, the roots are going downward. And ultimately, there will be that upward growth. It's true in the patiently, persistently, and painfully... Our Father digs down into the recesses of self. More and else. <coughs> Most of the time, we tend to not view this as uh, particular lives of others that we 
things and and God is revealing things to him. Uh, you know, we look at him and we think that that guy is just not. It may be a very important part of growth because we have got to come to understand the nation before we will ever be part of it. Paul said, not I, but Christ. Revealed to him enough about his old Adamic nature that Paul knew, like Romans 7, the good I want to do, I can't do, and the evil I do. That is the old man. What the old self and it will set the stage more and more for you in the future to begin to see who you are in Christ and embrace. Now, you know, uh, he goes on to say his reason for this is twofold. First, that the Lord Jesus might be free to manifest. And that is first and foremost in, in God's. God's greatest goal for you and me is that Christ be free to manifest himself in us. That look at us, they see Christ. Now certainly uh, that image is going to be reflect Christ. But God truly desires that that uh, we the Lord Jesus. And that's really packed in you know, Gandhi at one time, I, I probably won't get the quote right, but, but he made, he's, he said, I like your Christ, I just don't like your Christian. character of Christ he saw something attractive but he said I'm not attracted to your to you uh, your Christians and that's sad uh, uh, you know uh, the Lord wants us to manifest for Jesus Christ so you know the first reason that God is cultivating you and me is so that Christ might be free to manifest himself in us. The second reason is, uh, is he says, and through us. And so he says, growing and sharing. That's the purpose of God. Christ, so that ultimately we can share Christ with others. He says, quote from Isaiah 58. Uh, be like a wall. 
God. Even Isaiah in the Old Testament talks as a as a husbandman, one who is is developing uh, Israel, and, and he's developing us. He wants us, you know, like a watered garden in a sense, something uh, others look on and and desire. But he says. Each of us must be thoroughly cultivated before God can effectively cultivate others through us. If we want our lives to be used by God to have an impact on others, we first have to be cultivated. So... And he says, you know, that doesn't mean that until we're a mature believer and fully cultivated that we won't have any ministry. He said, uh, it's not that there will be no service for, un, uh, for us until we are spiritually mature. But that most of our service on the way to maturity is for our own development and not so much that of others and you know I look back on my own life and I find that to be very true and I th- I, I would I would think Jerry probably could testify to it too and uh, Mike uh, you know if I look back you know we spent 14 years at, at FOI I look back at that 14 years and I think God was doing more in me than he was doing through me it's not that God didn't use me back then. I think he did. But when I look back, those years were more years in which God was developing me, working in me. Uh, even uh, the years we were in Florida, God was still working in me. And I mean, he still is. It's just earlier, there's probably more development going on than the ministry to others uh, as we grow in the Lord there does come a uh, still being cultivated but God's also others but it uh, you know you again I look back on my life and I can see years and years and years and years in which at the time I would have thought you know I'm out there serving the Lord but I look back now and I think it was more that God was using that time to grow me uh, in the things he was taking me through You know, he says, at first the growing believer thinks and would have others feel that all his service is effective. But in times, he comes to realize that the Lord is uh, is not doing so much through him as he is in him. And he says, our Lord always concentrates on the greater need. If the greater need is for you or me to be developed, God is going to devote his energy there. He is truly more concerned with you than the service you can render him. You know, let's face it, God's got myriads of angels he can use to do his work. He doesn't need you and me. 
He's a loving father who wants to use you and me, but he wants to do so when we are for We are, are, are looking like we're children of the Most High God. When the very of Christ is being seen in us. And God will devote, you know, a large portion of our lifetime to developing us. If that's what he wants. I was thinking how that, that is just so true. And how if we cooperate with him, we hear the things he's saying to us. Sifting out what is self, that you know, man, the the fruit of that is so evident. But we've got to be willing to do it. Yes, Lord, I agree with you when you're showing me these things. I mean, God's showing me things right now. I've been a believer for like a hundred years. <laughs> she just gave away her age. <laughs> she looks hundred, doesn't she? <laughs> Moving forward, I'm just trying to find where I was here. Um, he says, our Lord always concentrates on the greater need. And so he says, since the work of God is essentially spiritual, it demands spiritual people for its doing. And the measure of their spirituality will determine the measure of their value to the Lord. Now, we're talking about value to the Lord as a servant, as a child. I think we are all of equal value to the Lord, his children. But our value to the Lord, service-wise, is going to be determined by uh, our spiritual uh, development. And so, you know, I have a little quote that I, several years ago I was reading through an article in, in uh, 
Bibliotheca Sacra uh, theological journal. It was an article by, um, I think it was Richard Strauss on Ephesians. And he, he said this, he said, God is not trying to produce successful Christian business people who can impress the world with their money and affluence. He's not trying to fashion successful church leaders who can influence people with their organizational and administrative skills. Nor is he trying to fashion great orators who can move people with persuasive words. He wants to reproduce in his followers the character of his son. His love, his kindness, his compassion, his holiness, his humility, his unselfishness, his servant attitude, his willingness to suffer wrongfully, his ability to forgive, and so much more that characterize his life on earth. The world desperately needs to know Christ. But how can they meet him when they cannot see him? Earlier in this epistle, which is Ephesians here, Paul explained that Christ is the head of his spiritual body that includes every true believer. And while the head is physically present in heaven, much of the body is on earth. As each member of the body begins to reflect his attributes, his graces, his characteristics, his quality, the world will see him and be attracted to him. I think that's a pretty good quote. And it's right in line of, of with a lot of what Stanford is That, you know, yeah, God does desire our service, but it wants it to flow from people who have this a deep walk with him that, that have the very character of Christ being formed in him. And to, there's going to be a lot of downward growth before that ever really begins to take place. You know, I'm, I'll admit, uh, those years at FOA, I can look back and see so much of that was my self-effort. It was me trying to do something for God. And uh, it's been a, a, a long journey to the point, uh, and, and, and I'll say I, I struggled a lot with ministry then. I've I've come to enjoy teaching as I've come to see it, it. It's not about me, but it's about what God wants to do through me. And as long as, you know, if I ever start trying to take it on myself, it becomes a burden again. As long as it's, Lord, I just want you to speak through me. I just want you to use me. It's not about me it's about you and I hope that most of the time when I'm sitting up here that that's my attitude because otherwise I'm wasting my time and yours Uh, if it's not of the Lord it's not worth hearing Uh, and but you know the Lord's still cultivating me he's still showing me things about myself He's still teaching me new things about who I am in Christ. So 
You know, he says, since the work of God is essentially spiritual, it demands spiritual people uh, for its doing. The measure of their spirituality will determine the measure of their value uh, to the Lord. Because this is so, in God's mind, the servant is more than the work. Again, God is more concerned with you than what you can do for him. If we're going to come truly into the hands of God for his purpose, then we shall be dealt with by him in such a way as to continually increase our spiritual uh, measure. He says, not our interest in Christian work, our energies, enthusiasm, ambitions, or abilities, not our academic qualification, or anything that we are in ourselves, but simply our spiritual life is the basis of the beginning and growth of our service to God. Even the work when we are in it is used by him to increase our spiritual measure. And I know I can attest to that last statement. I'm sure Jerry can. You know, uh, even when we're serving the Lord, God's using uh, the ministry itself to uh, grow us in our relationship with him. We don't stop growing as long as we have breath uh, here in this world. Now, this next one, I think, is another important statement. It's a mistake, he says, to measure spiritual maturity merely by the presence of gifts. He says, and he says, you know, uh, by themselves, they are an inadequate basis for man's lasting influence to God. They may be present and they may be valuable, but the Spirit's object is something greater to form Christ in us through the working of the cross. You know, he's not downplaying spiritual gifts, but he's saying spiritual gifts are not an indication of spiritual maturity. Um, Again, I can look back on my own life. And I can, you know, see where God enabled me to, to uh, again, teach years ago, even when we were at FOA. And I think a lot of the stuff I, I think what, uh, what I taught was used by him. But, you know, I've shared, I've shared with my students at times. I said, I've gone back and looked at notes I wrote back then. And I thought, I can't believe I was teaching that because I didn't even understand that back then. <laughs> And I think it was more an issue I was able to teach it because of gifting, but it was not an indication of my maturity level. Because, you know, I was teaching truths that were accurate, but God hadn't produced them in my life yet. They weren't. And so that's where he's saying, you've got to be careful, you know, and you can look at somebody and see, oh man, they're such a gifted speaker and, the, you know, I love to listen to what they have to say. That is not an indication necessarily of their spiritual maturity. 
It's just an issue of gifting that God had given them. And uh, he is not uh, satisfied just with uh, being able to go on and, and that way. Yeah. If you um, don't have the spiritual maturity, but still like being able to talk about things that are accurate, should you talk about those things or should you wait? No, I think, and that's where uh, all along, you know, it's like that earlier statement. It's not that there will be no service until we're spiritually mature, but that. You know, most of the service on the way to maturity is for our own development. Yeah, I mean, if God has gifted somebody in a certain way, I think he should use his gift, but then realize that along the way, God is going to be seeking (laughs) to mature you, and that the gifting... You know, if all God was concerned with was the, the service, then the gifting would be enough. You know, I'll just give you a gift, you you can... service for me and that, and everything will be great but but that's not enough yes jerry the wisdom is in the word so anytime we're preaching the word that wisdom can go from the word to the person but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily gotten to us yet yeah and that's a good way of putting it yeah but god wants it to get to us oh, absolutely. he he doesn't want us to just be able to say the right thing he wants us to be you know, he's wanting to develop Christ in us. Yeah. Don't you think maturity is only something God can measure? I mean, when you when you say, I'm, I may not be mature enough to share this yet. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, God is ultimately the, me- uh, the one who measures our maturity. And, and yeah, it's hard. We can't. You know, I can't say, okay, now I'm finally mature. Uh yeah, I did. Yeah, and but but again, God used it, and and I wouldn't say yeah, wait for maturity because, like you say, only God can judge when we're truly mature. We we use the gifts God gave us. We move forward, but we just realize that God, and most of us will be able to look back in life and say, okay, yeah, I see where God was doing more in me than he was doing through me. But it wasn't that those years were wasted. Uh, I mean, that service that was being rendered was being, being used by God in other lives and was being used in our lives. And, you know, it, it's not wasted. Uh, if we're moving forward in our development, yeah, it's not wasted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because if you, because we never feel like we're. I mean, I don't think we should ever feel like we're totally mature. <laughs> I, I I think uh, if if we're being honest with ourselves, we always realize we've got a long ways to go in our in our spiritual growth. You know, I'm not where I once was, but I'm not where I would like to be either. Yeah. They never stop playing ball. Yeah. They, they, they stay in the game. Yeah. And I think the same thing with. Yeah. 
And yeah, I think if we act, it's dangerous if we start thinking, "Wow, I'm a really mature believer." Yeah, you know, I think. Uh, it's a very dangerous. Yeah, it is. And uh, you know, Paul, when he talks about, you know, uh, he says, you know, each of us, uh, you know, talk about the measure. And oftentimes people take that passage and they say, well, you know, the passage is talking about, you know, how much faith God gave you and how much faith he gave me. It's interesting, the word measure there isn't a measure. It's not like a bushel or something like that. It's a yardstick. He says for each of us to basically take an honest look at ourselves using the yardstick of faith. And then... He goes on with this list, I think, of what, if we're truly walking by faith, our life will look like. And so if you start thinking you've arrived, go over and read that chapter. And look at that yardstick. And hold that up against your life. And I think you'll find you are not near as mature as you think you are. Uh, that there's a, a, a lot more growth necessary. Yeah, Nate. It's 12, isn't it? Or, yeah, 13. Oh, 12, huh? 12. Okay, Romans 12. Let each man think of, uh, not too highly of himself, but uh, let me let me get it. 12, yeah. 12, 3. Um, well, it would be good being in Romans instead of Corinthians, but... <laughs> For I say... Uh, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure or a yardstick of faith you know and he says for as we have many members he goes into the use of gifts then Christian behavior and all this this is a yardstick of whether we are living by faith or not Uh, and Throw this yardstick uh, compare it and let it uh, basically convict you. Yeah. And the beauty of that is, okay, you're saying, no, I'm yes, you can. Respect. Oh, good. Let me see if we can. Okay, I'll start with the talking about um, the whole idea of walking in the light, right? And I think it's been such an encouragement in, in my Christian life about when you said that, like, the closer that we walk to the light, the more it illuminates. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's so easy to think the more we see our sin that somehow we're backsliding or we're yeah. less spiritual or whatever when oftentimes it's actually a mark of maturity in a way or a growth yeah. at least that we're seeing more and more of what we are apart from the Lord. Yeah. So that kind of even goes to show along with that maturity thing that if we think we're mature then that's probably a sign of immaturity. <laughs> you know? And, and it's yeah. really maturity sees reality. Yeah. Reality 
is that we need more of Jesus every day. And, and you know what I mean, being aware of that. But I think it's been so encouraging to me and I think to others that with when they've just been like, how can I be a believer of this many years and be dealing with so many issues of sin? Or, or you know, God's revealing all these new things. Like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe that just means you're walking closer with the Lord and he's revealing these things to you because he wants to deal with them in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if the day we got saved, God showed us everything. Yeah. We we'd have thrown in the towel right then. You know? He he deals with th- you know, he shines light deeper and deeper into things uh along the way. And yeah, the more we grow in the Lord, the more we're gonna see things that perhaps we'd never seen before. Uh and and but and it and we want to say, well, it's always been okay before. Why? Why does it matter now? Because you're growing to the point where God says it's time for you to deal with this. And it's loving kindness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, let's face it. You let a three-year-old get by get by with things you don't let a five-year-old get by with, and you let a five-year-old get by with things you don't let a ten-year-old get. Uh, get by with you know and, and as we mature in the Lord uh, he's going to shine his light on more and more things that stand in the way uh, of Christ uh, filling our lives and so you know uh, again this uh, statement he makes does not diminish in any way the importance of spiritual gifts but it it does say, look, they are not the way we measure where we are in our spiritual growth. And, uh, and yet, there are segments of Christianity that that's precisely what they do. Uh, uh, they measure, you know, their measurement of maturity is whether people have certain gifts. You know, and, and it's all about having those gifts. And he's saying, no. Gifts have their place in the body of Christ. If they didn't, God wouldn't give them to us. He gave them to us because they, they have a, an important place. But that's not enough. He wants us to grow. And especially in the early church, you know, where in a very short time you had, uh, you know, uh, churches formed. You didn't have believers who were uh, had a you know a long history uh, with the Lord, and those gifts were incredibly important. Then that's where you had the gift of knowledge and and, and things. But God wanted the the, uh, the church to develop where you know uh, uh, it wasn't all about the gifting anymore. It was about who these believers had become in Christ. And so, you know, going on, uh, he says, you know, his goal, God's goal, is to see Christ inwrought in believers. So that, 
It's not merely that a man, and he's using it in a general sense, man or woman, rather than put it in, you know, he didn't have to be politically correct back then. Uh, so it shortens things uh, to write it this way. But just read in, keep in mind when he says a man here is a person, a man or a woman. Um, uh, so it's, he says, so it's not merely that a man does certain things or speaks certain words, but that he is a certain kind of man. He himself is what he preaches. Too many want to preach without being the thing themselves. But in the long run, it is what we are and not simply what we say or do that matters with God. The difference lies in the formation of Christ within. Now, uh, we're about out of time here, but let me just read and we'll pick up here next week. But... Um, uh, he says, we are not saved to serve, we are matured to serve. And yet, that's not often what's presented. You know, it's, God saved you, now get out there and serve him. God, Christ gave his all for you, uh, the, you need to get out there and give your all for him. And so there's this idea that, you know, you're saved to serve. No, you're matured to serve. God desires our service. He does. But he desires all the more that Christ be seen in us. And then what we say carries a whole lot more weight. You know... You know, that was something I guess we saw in Ireland was just you had a lot of people who ended up in leadership roles who had no understanding of the Christian life. They burned out. They, And you could see why Christianity was not appealing. Say we had, you know, one of the couples that started meeting with us fairly early on they said, and, and this is just, to, and I think I've said this before, and this is just to, to show the sad state of things there. They said, you know, could you meet with us and, and do a study? You are the first Christians we've ever met who seem to enjoy the Christian life. And that's a sad commentary. And what so many see of Christianity is, well, it's about don't do this, don't do that. You know, it's all this negative stuff rather than what flows from the life of Christ. Christianity isn't about giving up anything. It's about what gets replaced. That old man gets replaced with a new man. And Christ is formed in us. I've given up nothing. But the Lord's replaced an awfully lot in my life with things of greater value. And, you know, the world needs to see Christ. I mean, again, it's like I said, you know, 
Gandhi was heard to have said, look, I, I like your Christ. I just don't like your Christians. People need, and, and that's, I think a lot of people would be attracted to Christ. Not everybody, let's face it. When Christ was here on the earth himself, in person, not everybody was attracted to him. <laughs> but there are a lot of people who would be attracted if they actually saw Christ instead of what's oftentimes done in his name but not really in his name tacking his name on but not truly representing him not really showing him for it. okay we're out of time we didn't get through the chapter but we'll